Thank you for tuning in to Our Black Voices Matter. We can't remain silent. We must speak up. So let the conversation begin. This is Cole Johnson of Cole Sports Revelations and Get Over Divorce. And all of these topics deal in some form, shape, or fashion with how humans get along with one another. Whether it's through the sports medium, through interviews, or through... Well, as the title alludes, getting over divorce. And it also deals with the social injustice that has been going on. Well, I would be facetious if I were to say the last month, because it's actually been going on for centuries. It just seems to now have come to a head again. And I do mention the word again, because we keep having this same cycle. And I I want to thank uh, Keith Snyder of Anxiety About Anxiety uh, to give me the platform to talk about this. And I guess I'll let it rip. So I was at work one day in May and during COVID-19 I'm privileged to work from home I see this video of this black guy jogging then he picks up speed and runs and his pickup truck is speeding alongside or at least along behind him then I see one of the people in the pickup truck get out of, of the truck to wrestle with the jogger and then all of a sudden I see another shooter rise up from the bed of the truck and I hear rounds discharged and then I see the body of where the bullets were discharged drop and that was when I got introduced to Ahmaud Aubrey. what angers me more about that is the video made its rounds in May. That insidious action happened in February. So it was two plus months before we in the public knew about this. So this took place in the state of Georgia. So they sat on this for two months. No charges, no arrests, nothing. Two men, vigilante style, shoots and kills an unarmed jogger. I shouldn't be surprised. And I wasn't. Fast forward to when the powder keg really exploded, which was three weeks later. And I don't know what was more appalling. The fact that the the knee was on the neck of this one man. 
the man's name is George Floyd, for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. The fact that there were four officers nearby, one was lookout, just in case someone wanted to bum rush the cop, and the other two were helping to detain a man who had a neck, a knee on his neck. Or the usual, well, this guy is a criminal, justification explained after his death. Maybe a, maybe a combination of those is what made me really upset about the whole thing with George Floyd. But I was not shocked with that either. And then in between those two, sandwiched in between these two, is a no-knock warrant that was issued to the wrong house. This young lady gets shot and killed and the cops basically said an I bad type of thing and they leave don't give her any medical attention whatsoever her name was Brianna Taylor how did I feel about all this numb numb that that was the best description that I could ever come up with in, in terms of it because I've been Exhausted. I've been angry. I've been in rage. But nothing keeps happening. We may incrementally get closer, but I do mean incrementally, like ant steps incrementally closer to a change. But I still have to have a head on a swivel. If I see a police officer drive by, or parked, or behind me, because I don't know if this is my day where I have to suffer from any police brutality whatsoever, or police harassment, which I have suffered more than once, that indignity. And so when the protests began, I was hopeful. But the moment I heard the precinct in Minneapolis was burned to the ground. I just knew then, I'm like, okay, the the ones who needed convincing that what happened to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maude Arbery, and I can go on, the moment where I thought, okay, this might be the chance, this might be the time where, I won't say white America, but this might be the time when certain conservative sectors or certain pro-police supporters or pro-America everything could say, okay, well, a change is necessary. The moment I saw that precinct burn, I inwardly said, this all of a sudden has now turned into a political issue. I don't care what happens anywhere else this is now political. And if it devolves into, into something political, then basically people feel safe. And then, to add insult to injury, two Atlanta situations. One involved two black, t- uh, black young adults. One Spelman student, one Morehouse student. They get yanked out of their car 
they get beaten to within an inch of their lives by six officers. I'll get to that one in a moment. Get back to that one in a moment. Then a 41-minute conversation about two weeks later takes place between two police officers and one Richard Brooks, where he was inebriated. He was at a Wendy's. He was at the, I think he was at the drive-thru line and he passed out and he was just sitting in the car. Well, the Wendy's personnel, which I'm surprised they didn't just walk out to the car, tap on it and say, you know, move to the side or get away. They called the police over. And so this 41 minute conversation ended in handcuffs being administered, a struggle for those handcuffs to be out. The man grabbing a taser, trying to shoot it, but at a far, a far away distance, too far to reach. But he ended up receiving three bullets, two of them from behind. He died. Oh, and those officers that beat down those two black college students, six of them, five of them were black. So this is not a race thing for me. This is, there needs to be a total reformation of the fraternal order of police, period. I don't, right now, I don't care how you get it done. A total reformation of how police do their business needs to happen. Because there are too many unarmed citizens in this country, and you can throw any color on them, I don't care. There's too many of them who are dying at the hands of police. Too many unarmed citizens are dying. And I think what I dislike most, because that Wendy's now is also burnt down too, along with a Molotov cocktail tossed at certain places in Seattle. Some tossed other in other places in Atlanta. City Hall in Nashville received a Molotov cocktail. All of this stuff, the outrage that was supposed to take place via protest was hijacked by professional looters and rioters. Yes, I use the word professional because we kept hearing from different cities the people we arrested, they weren't part of the community. They were out of city or they were even out of the state. Which means they would come in. They sense a problem. They wanted to stir up trouble. And they burn stuff down. And to me, it's quite sickening, sickening. The fact that people will take advantage of pain like that. All I know is that it just isn't getting better. In fact, in certain ways, it's getting worse. I mean, it's people who are having a hard time mentally relating, emotionally relating, or psychologically relating to this pain. And I think it's it's more than the acts that are happening that's hard for them to relate to. It's the lack of empathy they see. And I think that is what is really eating at people. I, I have a friend who's the same age as I am. 
we're, we're no youngsters. And he said for the first time in his life this month, he saw a therapist because he had a lot of anger in him. He had a lot of grief in him. Griefs, you know, grief partially from, of course, family members who passed away. Anger for maybe even a career gone sour. And being black and in this country. The one thing that I really believe many people who aren't black do not understand is that especially if you're male, you have to give the talk to a teenage man. And now it's getting to the point where you have to do the same thing to a teenage black girl. It wasn't even that case because when I was growing up, there wasn't an issue with black girls having this problem. They didn't have to have the issue, or at least it wasn't publicized. But now, they're getting killed too. And so it's not even, it's not even this is strictly a black boy or black man thing. Now black girls and women are grouped in there as well. And that's going to wreak havoc on anybody. And this stuff happens, but society basically says, oh, well, that, you know, police have to do their job it's 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 a tough thing for them they have split second decisions you know it's a stressful position the justification for wrongdoing and evil by not all not many not most but a good select members of them goes back to what i said earlier it's angry it's rage inducing but when you get enough of it and you see nothing is, is done about it, you get numb. In fact, to borrow a, a title from Pink Floyd, you get comfortably numb because it's like, well, okay, yeah, I know. I, I'm black. I get I get treated like crap because I'm black by certain police officers. I could scream at this to the moon, but it's like I'm whistling in the wind. Okay. Forget them. And that builds that rage and that numbness. And some can't swallow it. Some it bubbles to where they just explode. I was saying that it, you know, you get enraged and it's like you're you're whistling you're whistling the wind or spitting in it. You're saying that something has happened to you yet either you're not being heard or you're being doubted. Or your perspective is being questioned or challenged. You see, with black people, it's not even a case of if police harassment or brutality happens to you, it's when. And there was a post that was put out on Facebook by a fellow podcast friend of mine. Shout out to you, Mr. Span of the Span Report and other shows. He asked this very simple question. He said, when was the first time you harassed by police? His answer was 12. That was the youngest answer. The oldest answer was 18 or 19. Me, I was 15. Three weeks after my 15th birthday, I'm walking home. And I I was in Houston, so it was a muggy day. (laughs) Mid-May, 
happy to be walking home. Day was okay. wasn't wasn't anything bad. wasn't anything good either. But it was just a nice day. So I'm oblivious to everything. I get into my neighborhood, but I'm still ten minutes away from my house. I walk past a convenience store, and I'm getting into the the part of the neighborhood where it's nothing but houses. And so it's basically a, a lot of houses in between there and the home or the townhouse home where my parents to this day still reside. So I'm walking the street, minding my business. And all of a sudden, click, 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 freeze! I turn around. I'm shaking like a leaf. I literally do see life flashing right before my eyes. And I might as well have peed in my pants. I can't think of too many moments where I was more scared for my life. Then eight years later, I, (laughs) same month actually, I come home from work. I'm also going to school at the time. And I didn't have a car at the time, so I got off the bus and I'm walking in my neighborhood to my apartment. Police officer stops me on the street. Well, I should say, stop me and I was on the sidewalk. He asked how old I was. He asked where I was coming from. He asked where I lived. And I pointed to where I lived because it wasn't that far from where I was stopped. He asked where I was going. I said, there's a convenience store down the way that cooks burgers. And every now and then I always go in there and get something to eat. And that's where I'm going. So he asked for my ID. I give it to him. And I embarrassingly stand in the middle of the street, and it's nighttime, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm underneath the streetlight. I'm standing there for about 10 minutes. It seemed like it was an hour, but I know it was about 10 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, what is he trying to run? He is trying to find something. And I never went to jail. I never had had any problems with the law before, other than the one incident I just told you about, but That wasn't in the books. So he wasn't going to find anything. So he hands me my ID 10 minutes later. He says, okay, you're free to go. And so I I left. Said, thank you, officer. Left. Was a bit miffed because I'm like, man, I'm hungry. And I got stopped. (laughs) And I get into the convenience store and the, the cook is there. And I had a really good relationship with the guy. Uh, in the very short amount of time, we bonded very well. And I think he was Pakistani. We had a polite conversation that lasted about a minute or so. And then he went in to prepare the burger. Well, in comes the police officer that stopped me on the street. He said, um, just a moment. Uh, I, I need to see your ID again. And I'm thinking, why? And before I could get why out of my mouth, The chef says, what are you doing? Why are you harassing this man? He hasn't done anything. Get get out of here. Just get out of here. And you should have seen the cop cheapishly, embarrassingly walk out of the guy's store. Almost like the cop knew he was caught dead to rights in harassing somebody. 
It's been many years since that happened. And I am armed with that. And I've had a few other incidents that I won't go into now that would just about burn people's hides too if it happened to them. But those are the two most prevalent ones. But the one thing I go back to is when I see we get all up in arms about a Trayvon Martin and Eric Garner, Terrence Crutcher, or Tatiana Jefferson, Sandra Bland, Keith Lamont Scott, Mike Brown. When we get indignant about all of these people who have died, there's a part of me that feels anger, and quite frankly, it's a part of me that feels guilt. Follow me real quick on this. I was harassed by police officers, but at least I'm alive to tell the stories. These wonderful individuals, some weren't even adults, don't get to tell theirs. They don't get to see the change that possibly could happen, or they don't get to see the lack of change that hasn't happened. And if you were to ask me the question, do I believe a change will happen? I will see more of a change because of COVID-19 wrecking havoc in the world than people dying in the street, literally, at the hands of police. They're unarmed, and they are not dangerous. Because I'm telling these stories to you, and there are many white people who will look at me and may may not even be the stereotypical racists that we know. But I do feel as though the United States government is like full of old white men in their 60s and 70s and some in their 80s. I would probably tell them my story and I feel as though after I finish, I get about 535 pale FUs from them. So, am I like the Sam Cooke song, A Change Gonna Come? No. The only thing that's going to change is the date on the calendar. The moment it stops being a headline on a newspaper to them, and it becomes something in their heart that they know they need to change or help in changing, I'm going to feel this numbness because I'm past the anger. I'm past the rage. I'm even past the bitterness because I'm all out of emotions. I can't feel anything anymore. And I don't think I really want to.